0: Welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast presented by 444.com I'm your host, Greg Smith. Today's podcast is dedicated to working the waiver wire for Week 2. If you're looking for a more general recap of Week 1's action, check out yesterday's show. And that's going to be the standard schedule for me during the season. A weekly recap on Mondays, then a waiver wire review on Tuesdays. If you want to ask any questions for me and our guests to answer on those shows, please send them to me on Twitter, at GregSauce. And be sure to note that your question is for the TMAP podcast. Uh, the roofers outside are still getting after it, so as with yesterday's show, apologies in advance for any background noise during this episode. At least they're giving me an excuse to use Can't You Hear Me Knocking?" by the Rolling Stones as the music for today's podcast. To hear the full song, as well as all the other songs from my episodes, click the link in the show notes to the Team App B-Sides playlist on Spotify. Yes, roofers, we can still hear you knocking. This episode is sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Their contest lineup is the only one in Daily Fantasy that is completely rake-free, which means that 100% of entry fees are paid out to the players 100% of the time. Sign up today at FantasyDraft.com with the promo code 444, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. With that all out of the way, I'd like to welcome back Jennifer Akins. Second day in a row on TMAP. We're going to talk waivers today. How are you doing, Jen?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me again.
0: You can find all of Jen's work over at 444.com. You can follow her on Twitter at the TheMondayMommy. Jen, we're talking waivers. I want to start at kind of a top-level, big-picture, 1,000-foot view. What is your general methodology for processing waivers week to week, especially early in the season? How should we draw the line between reacting and overreacting? Uh, maybe talk a little fab strategy. Like, Where are you at when you go to put in your waiver claims uh, after week one?
1: You know, I definitely, well, first of all with waivers, I am a I am a kicker and defense streamer. So those are always kind of where I go first just to kind of get my ducks in a row there. Um I always, you know, I make I'm fluid in the season on kickers and defenses. And I know a lot of people hate kickers. I get it, but I do write a streaming article for 444 and over the years I've actually come to love them because I think I think they really make a difference in your team. And I think people just kind of blow it off and like, oh, I'll just grab whoever. But if you actually pay attention and, and look at, you know, different factors, which I won't get into here, but um, they can actually swing your team, you know. And so I do. That's my first thing. I go strikers, streamers, or kickers and defenses. Then I actually assess my team. And, you know, there are some weeks that. You don't need to make waiver claims. You know, people are so yes. gung ho to make moves. And I even like, and I'm sure it happens to you where I have subscribers that'll, you know, tweet me all these questions. Should I drop this for this? And it's like, no, dude, that guy's, he's fine. He's better. Like, and I think people kind of overreact and feel like if you're not trading and you're not making waiver wires every single week, then you're not doing it right. And I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Um, but I do, you know, obviously you, you kind of yeah. look at your bench. You kind of look at, you know, who performed, who didn't perform and, and kind of see what you need. I mean, obviously injuries will play a huge factor. I mean, if you lose someone major, you know, if you're in a 2QB league and you lo- you lost Nick Foles, you obviously have to replace and, and look around. So I think that's kind of, you know, you're going to put most of your, you know, fab money towards a starter, you know. But, you know, I think your bench, you kind of like to – I like to kind of look and see, you know, just kind of get that in a row. Like, okay, or, or is my bench as, as stout as it needs to be? Do I need to kind of add some depth here and do some depth there?
0: Yeah, I think you need to trust your preseason evaluations to a point. Uh, you have to say, okay, why did I draft this player as highly as I did? Or, and what did I expect from that player early in the season? And most of the time you might say, oh, well, you know, they really didn't underperform that much relative to my expectation. I didn't expect, you know, Justice Hill to be fantasy viable until maybe week five or week six at the earliest. So why would I drop him now? I drafted him to be this late game lottery ticket. I I don't need to overreact and necessarily kick him to the curb. Now, if there is some really hot waiver wire pickup that, you know, and Justice Hill is the easiest guy you have to drop, sure, I I understand making that sort of move. And I do think in general, I like to preach being aggressive on the waiver wire early in the season, especially in terms of fab. If a player comes into a, you know, a full-time starting role, likely for the rest of the season, like based on some season in, Ending injury Like the Foles example you brought up is a great one He's going to be out For a long time Broke his collarbone Gardner Minshew Is coming in there As the the backup quarterback If you're in a 2QB league A starting quarterback Is worth a lot And so you have to put A lot of your fab out there For Gardner Minshew and people will worry, well, then I don't have fab for later weeks, like it, it doesn't matter because what you're investing in is going to be good for the whole season in theory uh, now there it's a sliding scale, right? It's a continuum or a gray area of like how much is too much, how much is too little, and you have to make your best guess. But I say when in doubt, be a little bit more aggressive with that stuff, especially if it's a player who is coming into you know a full time role for the rest of the season. Do you agree with that?
1: I do, and I also agree with you on the on the early on because I think a lot of people are hesitant. And then you realize there's not going to be some random stud that's going to show up in week 12 that you're going to need 50 bucks for. You know what I mean? Like the beginning of the season is when all these people that maybe were lower on the depth chart kind of peek out, you know, or, or different players. Like, for example, Hollywood Brown, you know, no one really expected and, and knew what, what the, you know, the Baltimore offense was going to look like. And then all of a sudden he goes off on week one. And so I think – I think like you said the earlier on that you focus on on getting those players I think the better. I think saving your money like you know is it's not really going to you know benefit you in the long run because there's not going to be some crazy player that's going to come out of nowhere, you know, 7 weeks down the road.
0: Yeah, now to kind of hedge this discussion a little bit, I'm definitely not the type of player who is going to put all of my fab on one guy to start the year. Like I'm not going to go put 100% of my fab on Gardner Minshew in a 2QB league. <laughs> well, even right. if even if I was a full zoner necessarily because like, like you said, you don't necessarily want to save everything for the end of the season, but you do want to save some and, and you don't necessarily yeah. want to price yourself out of the week two players because they're, they're going to be just as valuable as the, you know, the big pickups from week one. And that's something else to kind of keep in mind is yes... You know, Nick Foles is out, Gardner Minshew is in, and that's worth a lot. But, you know, the same thing could happen next week to a different quarterback. And, you know, if everybody else is putting a ton of their fab on, you know, other players this week and putting too much fab on it this week, then maybe next week, even if I didn't get anybody, uh, you know, this time around, maybe next week I'll be able to get somebody and and really not overspend, but spend aggressively to take advantage of the news from week two rather than week one. I, I think that you have to be smart about this stuff.
1: I agree. And I think also, you know, in redraft, it also depends on your league. I mean, obviously, Scott Fishbowl is a completely other animal, but in your normal home leagues and stuff, people aren't going to put all their money on Gardner Minshew. The people, you know, they, they spend a lot. You know they're definitely more thrifty, you know, when it comes to that. At least that's my, you know, in in the the home leagues and the redraft leagues that I'm in, I'm actually surprised sometimes at at the lack of of spending that goes on.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and that's why I think it does pay to be more aggressive if, as a default stance is just to make sure that you get the the best players each week because it, chances are other people are going to have that fear. They're going to play a little scared with their Fab, and you can take advantage of that early in the year. Now we've touched on a couple of key injuries here. Nick Foles being the big one. And I want to talk about some other potential moves that we need to be making based upon key injuries. Uh, I guess we might as well put our chips on the table with Foles. How much of your fab would you be willing to spend on Gardner Minshew in a two-quarterback league?
1: You know, in a two-quarterback league, I mean, I'd probably go like in in the high teens, you know. I think it would, like I said earlier, I think it also depends on the league depends how many sharps are in the league who's in the league but I think you know a regular league I'd say you know 17 18 bucks that's probably where I'd go in a 2qb
0: oh man I'd go so much higher I would be oh, willing would? To, yeah I'd be willing to spend maybe 50 to 70 percent uh, now I guess we probably want to wait till we get as much information on Foles' injury as possible like I don't know if he's gonna be ready to come back in week eight or week nine or something like that uh, it's still pretty early on Monday as we're recording this right. but uh, again I like to be aggressive with stuff and I feel like later in the year, I can always kind of piece things together with $1 bids, $2 bids, you know, being smart about, you know, just putting in a lot of claims to make sure I get somebody if I need someone. But something like this, where a fresh starter is coming in at, you know, the most in demand position in a two quarterback format, I think you have to be willing to spend, you know, at least half your fab if you want to get that player. Because I I think if you only spend 17 or 18 bucks, you're probably not going to get them. But that's my experience. And maybe it's because I play in too many, you know, sharper two QB leagues.
1: Right. I think it also depends on who else is on your roster. You know, like I'm in a two QB league where I do have foals, but I have Breeze and Lamar Jackson as my first two. So I'm not like complete, you know, it's not like I'm desperate to have him. Now, granted, I don't have a third one, so I do need one. Um, But yeah, I guess, I guess it also, yeah. I mean, it depends on on your league mates and, and who's there.
0: Let's talk about some of the other myriad collarbone injuries. Tyreek Hill is up next and... We talked about Sammy Watkins on yesterday's episode. I think he's a clear winner here, at least in the short term. But does the Hill injury make you want to pick up Mikael Hartman or DeMarcus Robinson? Are you reacting to the Tyreek Hill injury on waivers this week?
1: You know, um, I'm not. But if I was in a position where I needed a wide out, you know, or I had Hill, then yes, I would. And I think Mikael Hartman is is – I, I would go him over Robinson. Um, he did out snap Robinson 52 to 46. So there's that at least, you know, but I think, I think Nicole is, is similar to skills or to Hills skill Um So I would, I would be going that route. And I think, I think if, if you're in a position where, you know, you're, you're not so strong at wide out or you do have Hill. Um, I think Hardman is, is definitely someone I would go after this week.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really interesting situation because it is such a great offense that even if Hardman only gets like seven targets per game or six targets per game, that might be good enough to make him startable. But I do think he's more of a deep league play. I don't necessarily want to be picking him up in like a 10-teamer or a shallow 12-teamer. Uh, I mean, this, speculating on that type of player is fine, especially if you have someone who's you know easy, easy to cut after week one but I'm with you I think that we don't need to be too aggressive with these guys just a a handful of fab dollars is probably good enough Uh, let's talk about Devin Funchess another wide receiver collarbone injury I I don't know how much we want to be investing in a Jacoby brissett led passing offense but there are some intriguing names here Deion Kane, Paris Campbell, the tight ends you know Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron I think we could justify you know a tick up for all these players after Funchess goes out what are you doing with this situation?
1: Um, it's funny. I thought of you cause I know you're a D De- you're a Dion Kane guy, Yes, you know,
0: <laughs> three targets I, in week one.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I, you know, best ball I have him and I, I'm thrilled, you know, that he's sitting there. I don't know that I'm picking him up off waivers though, but I do, you know, I, I think there's a lot of other weapons there. And like you said, with Jacoby Brissett, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm making uh, really a lot of moves there. I mean, Ebron and Doyle were kind of, eh, they, they didn't do much. So I think, yeah, you know, a couple bucks maybe if if you're like I said if you're if you're hurting. But I I think Funches is kind of a I think his injury doesn't really affect much in in the uh, in the fantasy world for me.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that maybe a dollar or two or even some zero dollar bids on Kane or Campbell if they're available. I I don't necessarily want to reassigned too much value to the tight ends there. I I agree. This is not one that's really impactful. So maybe we're burying the lead here. Let's talk about some of the running backs who got (laughs) injured. Uh, Tevin Coleman, probably the biggest one, hurt his ankle against the Buccaneers. We got Raheem Mostert backing him up. Matt Breda is still there, but Breda was likely drafted in every league. And then there are rumors that the Niners might sign Jeff Wilson off their practice squad. Are you interested in Mostert or Wilson to kind of be that 1B rusher behind Matt Breda while Coleman is out?
1: Yeah, I think Mostert is definitely a guy people should be going after if they need, you know, if they if they have running back issues. Um, Mostert, I mean, yeah, he had nine carries for 40 yards and a touch. And I'm sorry, Andy had a touchdown call back. Breida, like you said, is is drafted everywhere, but he, you know, and he's he's a stud because he always comes back from him, but he always gets hurt. In fact, I think he got hurt yesterday for a little bit and came back. So I think with it shaky like that, I think Mostert's definitely a guy that people should go after.
0: So what do you think uh, Mostert is worth in terms of, like, a waiver priority or uh fab amount? Like, would you be prioritizing him ahead of, like, your favorite streaming defense or streaming kicker? And I guess, yeah, maybe maybe give a dollar value to him uh, for waivers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would definitely prioritize him over the kicker and defense. Kickers and defenses, for me, like, a lot of people don't stream and don't do that. So I can always get them for, you know, single-digit, you know, prices, um, unless something crazy happens and there's a defense that, you know, people are clamoring for that show up out of nowhere. But so I think moster, I think he's definitely, you know, if, if people need like an actual starter, I think he's same thing. I'd probably go in the teens, you know, for him.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I think that's about right. Now, how about Joe Mixon who injured his ankle as well on Sunday? I mean, Giovanni Bernard just got signed to a big contract and he, unlike Matt Breda probably wasn't drafted everywhere. Bernard's going to be available on some waiver wires, I'm a little antsy about this situation because I just don't know how good the Bengals are. What Uh are you willing to do with Bernard this week?
1: I'm I'm not really a Bernard fan. I feel like he's kind of always around and he never really gets there, you know, so – um, I think if if people are hurting, I think, sure, pick up Geo for, you know, limited money and maybe in super deep leagues, Travion Williams, you know, but I just like you said, I'm not really trusty of, of the Bengals offense, especially the run game. So I just don't uh, I think there's probably some better options out there for you.
0: Two more wide receiver injuries I want to touch on here. Mike Williams of the Chargers and Juju Smith-Schuster of the Steelers. These guys both had some kind of questionable injuries. For Williams, it was the knee. For Schuster, it was the toe. Are you, how would you, I guess, prioritize all the different backups or secondary or tertiary receivers on those teams? Dontrell Lindman, Travis Benjamin for the Chargers, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, uh, Dante Moncrief for the Steelers. I, I'm going to assume that Moncrief is, is taken in most leagues, so let's, let's rule him out. But what about those other guys for the Steelers and the Chargers?
1: Um, when it comes to the Steelers, you know, I like James Washington. I mean, I drafted him, you know, in a lot of best ball, and I think he, you know, he's, I don't know his exact um, rostership, but I think, I think he probably was drafted. I think he's draftable. I'm not really a Moncrief fan in general, so I, I don't really believe that his coming is coming, you know? Um, and I think Juju is just a toe and I think, I don't think he's going to be gone too long. I, I haven't checked up the, uh, this morning's update. So, um, excuse me, if he is end up, you know, gone for for a significant amount of time. But I think I don't think that the rest of these guys, I don't think it'll affect. I think Juju should be fine. I think when it comes to the Williams injury, I kind of think Henry might end up seeing more of those balls. I mean, I think Inman and and Travis Benjamin, I guess, are worthy of a pickup, you know, as a a bench dash or whatnot. But I don't think that those guys are going to be in play. Uh, right away. I could be wrong, obviously, but you know you could spend a couple of dollars for either of those guys. But I think Henry might actually see the benefit of that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're looking to pick up a player like Dontrell Lindman or Travis Benjamin, what you're almost hoping for is another injury to that wide receiver core. Like that you, If Keenan Allen gets hurt right. and Mike Williams is out, then Dontrell Lindman becomes an intriguing player. Travis Benjamin becomes an intriguing player. But if you're only just stashing a player for that reason, you really can't commit that much of a high priority in your waiver system or a high a high amount of FAB for that type of player, but stashing them can make sense, especially if you have deep benches. Um, are there any other injuries that you think I missed here? I I had a a list based upon yesterday's games, but, uh, it's like I said, it's, it's a day later. I might've missed somebody.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we've got, you know, Baker has a wrist and Mahomes has that ankle. I think they're both going to be fine. I don't think either of them are going to miss any time. And I don't think they're, we need to, you know, clamor out for either of their backups. But, um, you know, those were the only other injuries that I think were somewhat significant.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Now, In general, this does seem like a week where injuries aren't going to drive too much of our waiver decisions. What we're really reacting to are the usage situations that might have been different than we expected. So let's talk about who our other top pickups are. And I think in a lot of cases, these players are we're going to have to value them more highly than those injury beneficiaries we just talked about. So. Trying to look at players who are probably available in like half of leagues or more. Feel free to color outside the lines if you think it's appropriate, but who are you know the top kind of must go after players on waivers after week one?
1: Um let's see. At running back I've got two guys. Um I've got Malcolm Brown and I've got Chris Thompson. You know, both of whom are you know available in in over eighty percent, you know, of, of leagues. So um, there are two guys that, that performed really well, and I think are going to get more play than than we originally thought. I mean, you have got Chris Thompson, you know, Adrian Peterson. I mean, he was a healthy scratch. I mean, obviously, you know, between Geis and and I think Thompson's going to take a lot of the the passing stuff, and you know, he had almost 15 PPR points yesterday. He was RB 13. I mean, you can't really beat that from someone, you know, coming off the waiver wire who's, you know, he's only rostered right now in 12% of leagues on Yahoo. So um, there's that. And then Malcolm Brown, he had more work than than we all thought. You know, he was RB12 with like 17 PPR points on Sunday. So I think he's a guy um, that, you know, can be a contributor on your team. You know, he can, he's a good flex guy. Both of them really, I think, could be, you know, good people to add at the flex spot.
0: I love both of those calls, and listeners, if you want to hear some pretty damning talk from uh, the Washington coach about Adrian Peterson, tune in to uh, Monday's edition of the Fantasy First podcast with Holden Kushner. Uh, He pulled a, uh, a pretty nasty audio snippet from head coach Jay Gruden there Um, a couple other names I'll throw out here Justin Jackson of the Chargers if he's available in your league I think he's worth picking up I think he was drafted probably a little bit more than a player like Brown or a player like Thompson because of the Melvin Gordon situation but uh, that that's a backfield that's wide open now and Eckler look good but Jackson's going to get opportunity there too and the last guy I'll throw out, and I, I kind of hate that I'm saying this name, but Ronald Jones of the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, because <he's... laughs> he did look a lot better.
1: I know he's dirty, though, to like, t- I, I totally get that you hate saying it, but I get it.
0: Yeah, I, I just, he looked like the best back there. There were reports through the offseason that he was the best back in camp for the Buccaneers. And if he's available in your league, I think now's the time to at least consider picking him up. Now, I wouldn't necessarily drop anybody I felt great about to get him, but I, you got to consider him. Uh, how about wide receivers, Jen?
1: I'm a wide receiver. I've got two um, two guys with the last name Brown. We've got Hollywood Brown and John Brown. Um, obviously, you know Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown um, is going to be probably the top pickup, I would think, across all leagues, and he's he's available in 69% of leagues right now. He's got an obvious rapport with Lamar Jackson. I mean, he had 30, close to 31 PPR points yesterday. I don't think he's going anywhere, so I think he's obvious. You know, the obvious pickup. I think John Brown on the Bills. I mean, he's somebody that. Um, if if you know, you are a subscriber obviously and pay attention, you know, John Paulson was, was touting John Brown all summer and you know, he had a great opening game and he's 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 available on fifty one percent of waiver wires right now. He had 123 yards, he had the game winning touchdown, and he led the team in ten targets. So I think he's one uh, that you can definitely add to your roster.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the thing I love about Brown, I mean the talent was always there, right? But his skill set just lines up so well with uh with Josh Allen's big arm that that really could be a a nice connection all season long and not necessarily something super fluky and up and down. Like maybe it will be just because Josh Allen will be up and down, but I don't think you need to worry about John Brown's half of that equation. So yeah, definitely got to target those guys. Uh, I think the other big pickup coming out of yesterday's games, has got to be John Ross, uh, especially while AJ Green is out. I mean, Ross commanded the targets. He had the touchdowns, the drops were still an issue for him. So maybe see if that comes home to roost in future weeks, but you know, he really showed out against uh, a Seattle defense that while we know is worse, uh, still, you know, we we expected that to be a lot more lopsided of a, of a victory for the Seahawks. And Ross, you know, changed that math. Uh, and I was impressed with what I saw from him. I was not drafting him anywhere. But I think now is the time when you have to start considering him. Anything on Ross or do you want to move on to tight end?
1: No, I agree with you there on Ross. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. My, my tight end is actually someone that has not played yet. <laughs> and that would be Darren Waller. Um you know, Love it. yeah, I mean, with A.B. gone, I mean, he's he's still, he's still available in 58% of leagues. It's like you got to grab him. You know, I was grabbing him before and now with with Brown gone, I think Waller is going to be the beneficiary there. And I think people need to scoop him before he's no longer av- so widely available.
0: Yeah, I was drafting him pretty aggressively towards the end of the the preseason. And I do have some concerns that now that Brown is gone. It might only take a number of games for opposing, you know, defensive coordinators to figure out, okay, we just need to stop Tyrell Williams and we need to stop Darren Waller and we'll be good. You know what I mean? Just like force them to run and make them predictable. And I'm curious to see how that plays out. We're not going to know for a few weeks. But in in the short term, there's definitely an opportunity for Waller to show out there and and be a target monster kind of along the lines of maybe what we saw from Evan Ingram yesterday afternoon. Mm couple other names when he did throw out here at tight end. TJ Hawkinson, you know, obviously had that huge game. And if he's available in your league, you should look at him. Uh, Harkening back to the Thursday night game, you know, all the way in last week. It's easy to forget about that one between the Packers and the Bears. Jimmy Graham looked pretty good, and he was getting targeted down the field. He might not have been drafted in every league. I think that he deserves some consideration if he's available. And then I I just want to ask you, Jen. Rob Gronkowski, are you buying into any of these rumors of a, a Gronk return and would you do anything about it
1: you know it's interesting i was thinking about that yesterday i am buying into it because i think with brown ba- with brown there forget it i mean if they're i just don't see him not you know what i mean like he's sitting at home watching this ridiculous patriots offense and how can he just sit there i have a feeling he's going to come back um and i saw you know and i did see so someone added him in my league uh, on friday or saturday in one of my one of my redrafts. So. I mean, I don't know that I'd be spending a ton of money and like, you know, but I think if you can get him for free and you have the room, if you have a deeper bench or, I mean, why not? Because I just, I mean, the ego, you know, of the NFL player and all that, and, and I just can't see him sitting there not wanting to get another ring, you know? He could just walk right in. And it could be that simple, you know, depending on, of course, how the this, this season shakes out. But as of right now, it's lining up that this Patriots offense is going to be unstoppable.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. I I just don't know if I'm going to hold him on my roster for you know, four weeks before he actually makes it back, especially if I already have a a tight end I'm interested in. Now, if I did miss on my tight end pick in the draft for whatever reason, like maybe I waited too long and ended up with, uh, I don't know. Um, Everett or,
1: or someone like that or Eifert or...
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Everett, Eifert, any player like that, you're right. Those are great examples. Like I might be more willing to take a shot on Gronk in a situation like that, but... I just don't like to clog up my bench with guys who aren't playing. It's the same reason I didn't draft AJ Green, even though we know he's coming back. Like we don't even know that Gronk is coming back. So I, I, yeah, I'd, I would stay away. But I see the appeal. I I, I get it. Um, it's just not for me. Uh, how about quarterbacks? Who who do you like to maybe stream in week two?
1: Um. Well, are we streaming or picking up? Because just for regular pickup, I've got um I've got Mariota and Brissett. You know, both of those guys are. Are still, you know, have low ownership and, and you know, Mariota surprised us, you know, yesterday, and so I think he's he's a viable guy to stick in there. I mean, him and Delaney Walker obviously still have a thing, you know, they they were very productive yesterday, so I think him and then Brissett. I think you know he's only twelve percent rostered right now, and I mean he wasn't fantastic, you know, but he had close to seventeen fantasy points, and you know he he played a tough Chargers D, so I think he's somebody. Um, that if you're hurting or, you know, not necessarily a streamer from week to week, but, you know, if you actually need a starter, I think both of those guys could fit the bill.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of use the two interchangeably, especially for one quarterback formats. Like, I don't think there's much of a difference between streaming and trying to find somebody to pick up long term because ultimately that's what your goal with streaming should be. Uh, that's uh, an idea that's popularized by, you know, the late round court- quarterback himself, JJ Zacharyson. But Brissett made my list as well. I, the Colts are still a good team. Like, they don't have Andrew Luck, but they still have a bunch of other good players, and Brissett is going to be the beneficiary of that. Uh, the other guy I'm going to throw out here is Josh Allen. I think he was. Probably drafted in more leagues than I would like to admit based upon you know his ability as a, a real NFL passer, but in fantasy, he's going to be fine. He's at the Giants in Week 2. We just saw Dak Prescott shred that Giants defense and... We know that Josh Allen isn't as good as Dak Prescott, but there's still opportunity there. You know, there's meat on the bone for Allen to go and uh you know, deliver in week two if you need kind of a, a temporary fill in or just someone to uh hold you over, maybe if you were, you know, really scraping the bottom of the barrel with someone like Nick Foles or if your current quarterback has a bad matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean Allen is thirty two percent rostered right now. And, you know, I mean, he was, if you actually watch, I mean, he was rough yesterday to start, but he ended up with close to 24 points. So, you know, that's all you need for fantasy purposes. But the beginning of that matchup was brutal, and and I actually streamed the Jets D purposely to start the season, and I was thrilled because they were just, I mean, crushing him in the beginning. But, he, you know, he turned it around and ended up with, like I said, close to 24 fantasy points. I mean, you can't really, you know, you can't get mad at that.
0: Yep, that's who Josh Allen is. Now, Jen and I are going to dive a little bit deeper to find uh, you know pickups and streamers for leagues that might not be quite as shallow. And we're also going to talk about which players uh, you might be dropping from your rosters this week, uh, which is Jen's specialty. Uh, but before <laughs> we do, uh, a word from our sponsor of the show. Fantasy Draft is the only rake-free DFS site in the business, and they are bringing you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports. As other fantasy sites continue to raise rakes, prize pools are being squeezed, and that can make it harder to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 15% or more of your entry fees to the house are over. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of the entry fees are paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. To access Fantasy Draft's exclusive, rake-free contests, all you need to do is become a member. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. Once again, that's FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444. Become a member today and say goodbye to the Daily Fantasy Rake. Okay, Jen, we're back. Let's talk about deeper pickups and streamers for week two. And now we're going to try to look for players who might be available in, say, 70% of leagues or more. But again, not a hard and fast rule. We're just trying to help the listeners out with anybody we think might help them. Who are some names that stand out to you?
1: Uh, You know... (laughs) funny similar to you saying ronald jones earlier it makes me kind <clears> of <throat> gag a little but darren sproles yeah i mean you know he was tied with sanders with 12 touches he's only i mean he's 99 available so he's everywhere and he had you know he had 11 ppr points i mean you know he's not dead <laughs> you know he's still there and if you need help at running back you know he's there and they also actually and they also play they play atlanta this week Um, That gave up 172 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns yesterday. So there's that too.
0: Yep. Sproles is on my list and he's definitely still a factor there in Philly. Although Sanders did play the most snaps of all the running backs in that backfield. But uh, you know, until Sproles gets hurt yet again, you know, that slight frame doesn't hold up well over the course of a full NFL season. uh, He's going to be usable. I think in that offense, he he is a good weapon. Like he looks good. He's fun to watch, like super fast still, but I just worry that he's not going to be holding up for the whole year. One for me, Rex Burkhead. Like speaking of guys that I I didn't think I would be talking about after week one, but Damian Harris, uh, a healthy scratch or a healthy inactive in week one. Sonny Michelle actually didn't look that great uh, despite all the glowing offseason reports. Burkhead, I think, outplayed him. And, you know, the Patriots continue to confound us with their running back usage here
1: forever and ever. They always do. And, you know, Burkhead absolutely slaughtered me last year. I had him everywhere. I mean, I had him best ball, you know, and so it's tough for me to get back on that train, but I totally, I I see it, and he had a great game yesterday.
0: Yeah, the other player I would tab at running back is Alexander Madison. Uh, Did he make your list at all, Jen?
1: Um, He did not, but, you know, I I, I think that he's definitely someone to look at, so I'm glad you have him.
0: All right, how about at wide receiver?
1: Um, Wide receiver, I only have one guy, um, just because we would cover so much, but I got, you know, DJ Chark. Um, you know, he's someone that I don't think will be an every week guy, but I think as a streamer, you know, he gets the Texans next week, who were 31st last year in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I think, you know, he has a great matchup, and I think, you know, obviously him and him and uh, Gardner Minshew, you know, have some sort of chemistry going. So. Yeah, I think at least for one week, I don't think he's someone that you're gonna pick up and, you know, use every you know, every week as, you know, as your wide receiver one, two, or three. But I think he's someone that in deeper leagues he is available, you know, and someone that you can kinda go to next week.
0: Yeah, I think you framed that perfectly. the matchup in week one was perfect, you know, playing from behind against the Chiefs. Uh the deep threat wide receiver has value in that, especially if he's a secondary player. Like West Westbrook Westbrook's gonna command more defensive attention. That opens things up for the secondary guy Shark and You know, another good matchup coming in, but, you know, week to week, he might not be there for you. So um, just if you pick him up, use him sparingly. I I like that. That's a really good call. How about Danny Amendola? Uh, This might be another one of those perfect storm situations from week one, you know, that matchup they had with the Cardinals in Detroit. But Amendola, kind of like Sproles, is that player that just doesn't want to go away fully. He'll show up for a handful of games until he gets hurt. And I think when he's in there, you know, if you're in a PPR league, that's the type of player you want, right? Yeah, no, I
1: totally agree with that. Amendola is, yeah, Sp- and comparing him to Sproles is a great example. It's like he won't go away, but yet he's not going to show up all 16 games. We know that. Um, and, you know, yesterday might have been the perfect storm, but you know what? He might have a few more of them in him, you know?
0: Yep. Uh, a couple of rookies I want to throw out real quick just for the real, real deep players. Uh, A.J. Brown of the Titans, Preston Williams of the Dolphins. Like these guys are going to get more and more involved as the season goes on. And we saw both of them do a little bit of good stuff in week one. Brown only had, I think, three targets or three catches or something like that. But 100 yards, like one of them was a big play. And Corey Davis was non-existent for the Titans. Uh, This is a situation to keep track of. And speculating on Brown now could pay off in a big way later in the season, I think. Uh, Same thing with Preston Williams and the Dolphins. Uh, You know, he's the future there. Like, we know that they're tanking. So it's not going to be a Devonta Parker, Albert Wilson-led offense all year. uh, And so I think Williams is intriguing for that same reason. Agreed. I do want to ask you. You mentioned uh, Darren Waller earlier. What do you think about the Raiders' receivers? We haven't watched them play yet. You know, that game is happening later tonight. But Hunter Renfro, Ryan Grant, J.J. Nelson. Do you have any interest in these guys? Like, let's just say, you know, randomly say, okay, that you know one of these guys gets ten targets tonight and catches seven of them for eighty yards, but no scores. How aggressively are you pursuing that type of player from Oakland uh, on your waiver wires?
1: Yeah, not so much. I don't think. I think it's going to take a you know a heck of a performance to make me interested in any of those guys. I'm just not really a you know I'm not a big believer in Carr anyway, and I just think I think Williams and Waller are really and then Jacobs of course. I think that's really all I would touch on that team. You know, I think we've seen Seth Roberts, we've seen J.J. Nelson. You know, I mean Renfro. I mean I'm intrigued just to see what he can do. But I don't I don't think unless it's, you know, a super deep like 16 teamer with, you know, that I don't think I'll I'll be going after any of those.
0: Yeah, I think Renfro's the one guy I might reach for, if only because he's the Renfro's the unknown commodity there. And, you know, he has upside that we just because we don't know what he is. Uh, And that sometimes that unknown upside pays off. But I'm with you. I think that this is generally an offense to avoid. Uh, I don't know if you're really going to want to start anybody except for maybe Waller and Josh Jacobs on a week to week basis. Speaking of tight ends like Waller, are there any other deep cuts you want to suggest as pickups for this week?
1: You know, tight end was was kind of interesting yesterday. A lot of the guys I thought were going to do well didn't, and I'm kind of now confused of even what to do. I think obviously if if Jordan Reed is still you know in concussion protocol, I mean Vernon, you know the ageless wonder Vernon Davis. Yep. I mean he you know and. and you know, and he gets – he plays Dallas who gave up, you know, 28 points to Ingram yesterday. So, you know, he's got a great matchup and I don't think he's – you know, he's like 2% owned or something right now. So, you know, but obviously that's contingent on, on Jordan Reed. I think another guy that's kind of, you know, in deeper situations is CJ Uzoma. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't – you know, Eifert, we no one really knew what was going to happen. He ended up, you know, getting – well, actually I think they had the similar targets, but Uzoma had a little bit more on him. But, I mean, they both were, you know, involved – I think it's something where, you know, if you're really desperate, I think Uzoma will get some will get some volume, and you know, he could put up you know some points for you.
0: Yeah, Vernon Davis is at the top of my list here. Uh, I like the Uzoma call. The only other player I would throw out, and this is really scraping the bottom of the barrel, Blake Jarwin of Dallas. Yeah, if that continues to be as pass heavy an offense as we saw in Week One against the Giants, then both Witten and Jarwin could be potentially usable, maybe along the lines of. You know, not quite, you know, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard level uh, in terms of talent, but maybe in terms of, you know, sporadic usage for those guys. You know, if you're just playing touchdown bingo, or you you, oh, randomly I got a touchdown this week from Blake Jarwin. Like, that could make sense to me if you're really desperate for a tight end. Uh, Any, you know, really, really deep QB plays you want to point out here, Jen, before we close things down?
1: You know, the only guy I have here is Gardner Minishu, just because, and deep wise is just because he's not owned at all, you know. And so he's someone that at least is accessible for people. But, you know, the quarterbacks, I mean, it's all picked through. Everybody knows, you know, what's out there. And unfortunately, you know, like we discussed earlier, you know, Mariota, or Brissett, those guys, you know, are, are low-owned. So, they're, you know, but as far as deep, deep goes, the only guy that's really, you know, minishu just because we're starting from scratch with him.
0: Yeah. Um, the only other names I'll throw out, and this would be like really deep plays for maybe like a 14 or 16-team one-quarterback league. Like I think in two QB, these guys are already owned. Andy Dalton is getting the Niners this week. Case Keenum's getting Dallas this week. I don't really like the matchup for Keenum, but you know Dalton against the Niners could be okay. I don't necessarily think the Niners defense is that much better than the Seattle one that Dalton just faced, and this week Dalton's going to be at home. So there, there's some potential appeal there. But yeah, that, that's it on quarterback. I agree with you. There's not They're pretty known commodities, so we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on them. Let's talk about which players we're cutting here. Uh, because this is, you know, the other half of the waiver. Oh, you waiver don't want to go
1: defense? I've got a defense for you.
0: Oh, please! I'm sorry, <laughs> I cut you off. Let's uh, let's stream some defenses. Who you got? I
1: just I just got one. I mean, I just got the Panthers because they they play, in Tampa, they, uh, they play Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay allowed the Niners to score 28 points defensively, you know, yesterday. So, you know, if you're if you're desperate out there, I think the Panthers are a good stream this week.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I like that call. I, I actually didn't come up with any defensive streamers, and that's why I didn't have it in my notes to talk about that. So <laughs> apologies for glossing over, Jen. But as I was trying to say, we need to also figure out who we're dropping to pick up these guys that we want to add. And I'm curious, who are some players that you are planning to cut in your leagues when you go to set your waiver claims? And maybe give me some examples of other somewhat prominent players that listeners might be surprised to hear that you think are droppable for after week one.
1: Um, in my, I'll give you, okay. So in my own personal league, the one guy I know I'm dropping is Ty Montgomery. You know, I had a good coming in, you know, there was all this hype, you, you know, and, and no one was really sure about Bell. Well, we saw that Bell is fine. And I, I think Montgomery, I think there's better options out there as, as, you know, as a backup or as a bench guy. And then, like I said, this is a bench guy. So this is not someone that, you know, but anyway, so yeah, I, I think, you know, he had two attempts for four yards. Um, I think that Bell is totally fine. He was RB8. So I think I'm definitely dropping Montgomery. Um, And then as far as just regular guys, um, I think Adrian Peterson is 100% droppable. And I think he was was drafted a lot of places. But, you know, he was a healthy scratch. And I just don't think there's a place for him in that offense anymore. I think between Geis and Thompson, I I think that he just doesn't, you know, and and Peterson doesn't even play special teams, which I think is why he was a healthy scratch is there's really nothing for him to do. So um, I think he's droppable. And then um I think uh Caylen is droppable. I didn't draft him, but I think that you know that Miami offense is just not good. You know, the O-line's not good. I think they're going to be they're going to be behind all season. So the game script is not going to be in his favor. I just I just don't see a spot for him.
0: Yeah, I think any and all dolphins are potentially droppable. I think you could feel okay even dropping Kenyon Drake if your league is shallow enough because that team is going to be so bad. Like they're not going to have the game scripts that you want for him to be a really good player. Like he'll have some good weeks, I'm sure. But I mean, maybe rather than drop Drake, you should probably try to trade him for like anything you could get. But I, I'm right. okay with moving off of the Dolphins altogether. Although. I'm worried that maybe we're overreacting to one just crazy game against Baltimore. But it's not like Baltimore was supposed to really blow them out like that either. Um, So when they start to play teams like the Patriots and those other, uh, you know, really good teams, uh, it it could get even worse. Uh, The only, I mean, I mentioned Preston Williams as a potential pickup. I think he's the one guy who I might be holding if I had any Dolphins players. But it's not like he was really drafted by many people in the first place. Kind of along the same lines of those, you know, backup running backs that didn't really do anything in week one and we, and we can kind of feel okay about moving on. I wanna ask you some tougher questions on that front. Uh Peyton Barber of the Buccaneers. I, I mentioned how Ronald Jones looked like the better back there. Do you think Barber is droppable?
1: Um uh, that is a tough question. I mean, yes and no. I think it depends on your league. I mean, he had what? Let's see. He had eight carries for thirty three yards and then he had two catches for twelve. So I mean he, he was involved. You know, he scored six and a half you know, PPR points. I think it depends on your league. I think it depends on your bench and what you have. I think there are better, you know, guys. There, there's better bench guys out there. So I think he probably is droppable. I think I think we need more of a sample, you know. We still haven't seen, you know, Agun Bawale or, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. So I don't know if it's a bit of a reaction to drop him or not. I think it really just depends on the situation.
0: Yeah, see, I think – based upon what we saw from him last year and based upon his usage in week one that I just don't see the upside with him anymore. Like even if Ronald Jones gets hurt, I just don't know if Barber is going to be a guy you'd want to start outside of like a desperate bye week situation. And with that in mind, like I I think I would be okay cutting him now and just saying, okay, give me somebody with more upside long-term. Kind of on that front and maybe flipping the discussion a little bit, how about Darrell Henderson on the Rams who – was barely involved at all. I think he had one touch in week one and we know he has the talent. We know he's in a good offense, but if Malcolm Brown and Gurley are, you know, the one a and one B there, then, you know, that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for Henderson, but we know that if, you know, Gurley does get hurt, maybe Henderson grows into a bigger role. How would you feel about him? If he was on your roster right now?
1: You know, it's tough because there are people that, that, you know, drafted him fairly high, you know, but I, I kind of think he's, I think he's droppable. I think he's somebody, that, like you said, it's going to take an injury, I think, for him to really get involved. And we saw that Malcolm Brown is favored, you know, as far as that, you know, alternative to, to Gurley and change of pace. So I think, I think Henderson, you know, like you said, he may become relevant later, but then you have to, you know, have, use your fab and get him then. But I think, I think him sitting on your bench is not going to do you any good right now.
0: Uh, now, moving on to some wide receivers I'd be willing to drop. Uh, I am I mean, Geronimo Allison, I think, is definitely yep. uh, easily cuttable now based upon his usage in Week 1. Uh, he was on the outside looking in that whole game, and it's funny because th- there was some early offseason hype for him. Then you started to hear more and more hype for Marquez Valdez-Scantling and I, I mean, I wasn't drafting Allison everywhere. I was drafting MVS uh, much more often, and I, I think now we have at least one game's worth of proof that that was the correct read, and so I think I'd be okay moving off Allison. Some players who might be tougher to part ways with uh, at the same position, uh, Anthony Miller, Dante Pettis, Corey Davis. Like We had some high expectations for these players, right? These are young, up-and-coming guys, theoretically, but really didn't do anything for us week one. Uh, are you willing to cut any of those three?
1: You know, it's funny. We haven't, we haven't touched on the Bears at all. Um, and yeah, that was a mess. I mean, Anthony Miller, you know, I drafted him in a lot of places and, um, I don't know that I'm ready to cut him just yet, but it was not a positive thing to see kind of how that offense was. I mean, Trubisky actually got me six points in Scott Fishbowl. Yeah. I sat, I sat, I know I sat Darnold and played him and, uh, oh, of course, regretting that, but, um, I can't now. Oh, oh, Corey Davis. Who else did you say? Dante. Oh, Pettis. Dante Pettis. Yeah, I think Pettis. You might want to wait out a little bit. Corey Davis. I don't know. I mean, the Titans are just. It's tough. It's tough to know if that the, was the real Titans we saw, and if that offense, you know. But I'm I'm not really a Corey Davis fan anyway. So I think, um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I think Miller is cuttable, if only because if he was gonna. You know, see snaps, it would probably be in the week that Trey Burton wasn't playing, uh, but it really looks like sure. Tariq Cohen is their slot receiver, so I think Miller is a guy you can let go of. Pettis, I, I'm kind of on the same page there where it seems like the only reason he's not playing is for kind of locker room, maybe off the field stuff, like some beef between him and Kyle Shanahan and... I just don't know if I see that sort of situation getting better as the season plays out. You know what I mean? Like, that, it rarely yeah. happens that way where, you know, these, these people will make up and everything becomes good again. You know, the fact that they invested in two wide receivers in the draft also doesn't bode well for Pettis. Like, there were signs here that Pettis might be on the way out. You know, he doesn't have that rapport with Garoppolo uh, that he did maybe with Nick Mullins, too. So, th- there are a lot of red flags for me with Pettis, but... I think it's okay to maybe hold out one more week, but if it's more of the same in week two, I think Pettis has to be on the chopping block. Davis, I'm holding. Uh, I mean, he was a highly drafted guy, and I know that we see this happen with players all the time, right, where, you know, uh, Brashad Perriman is a first-round pick and just never quite pans out. But I I felt like it was different with Davis, and there are some concerns about that offense in Tennessee and Mariota as his quarterback, but I'm not willing to give up on him after one bad game. I, I, maybe it'll come back to bite me, but I, I think I would hold Davis for at least one more week and see what happens. Uh, yeah, but these are all kind of tough situations to sort through because you, when you drop these guys, you don't want them to come back and bite you later, right?
1: Of course. You don't want your opponent to pick them up and, you know, two weeks later. And yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I do have one more um, running back that we didn't get to that is kind of, uh, I don't know, surprising, I guess. But I'm, I would drop Rashad Penny.
0: Yeah, I could see it.
1: Right. I know, but, like, people, you know what I mean? Right now, I mean, he had zero targets, and he was supposed to be, you know, the passing game. You know, they were going to bump him up in the passing game. That was the talk of the offseason. He didn't have one target. I think it's Carson's world, you know? I think he's a spectator, and I think uh, I think Penny's droppable. And I think that, you know, a lot of people might have to swap him out for somebody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely just a full-on handcuff at this point, And if you can drop him to pick up someone like... Alexander Madison or Rex Burkhead or even maybe like Dontrell Hilliard on the Browns like guys that mm-hmm. we know we're going to get week-to-week touches even if they're not the starter I think you have to make that move because those guys have more standalone value and they have the same sort of handcuff upside that Penny you know Penny doesn't have that standalone value right now and that's concerning um, kind of on the same page what about Damian Harris on the Patriots we, we talked about how Burkhead kind of took over that backfield aside from you know the, the standard James White targets but I think that Harris, kind of like Darrell Henderson, has some long-term appeal. But if you're trying to stack up wins early in the season, I don't know if you want to be keeping, a, you know, a healthy and active Damian Harris on your roster.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the you know the problem with this, and we all know, it's it's, it's the Patriots backfield, and he's going to have a four-touchdown game in like three weeks. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, like you said, you can't clog up your your bench with someone that you know right now they just they have too many you know I mean because Michelle I think is going to bounce back I don't think Michelle you know I I think I don't think you're going to hold him down for too long I think he's going to be all right and I think now you've got Burkhead and you've got White I just yeah I think Harris is droppable
0: yeah, I mean, think short term you're right, but it is one of those ones. That one feels like it definitely could come back to bite us and like will come back to bite us. Like, I know as soon as I click drop, like we'll get a report that Sonny Michelle has like, uh, you know, a knife stuck in his knee or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I just, ugh, I hate it. The Patriots backfield, man. Every year it's, it's the same song and dance. And, uh, Anyway, that's that's all I got uh, for this episode, Jan. I really want to thank you again for, for coming on two, two episodes in a row uh, to talk, you know, week one and then, you know, waivers for week two. Why don't we do the same song and dance if you let folks know where they can uh, find me on social media and uh, tell them about your work at 444 this year.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, and uh, I am solely on four for four. And I have four weekly articles. I've got two streaming. I've got a kicker and a tight end streamer. And then I do a droppable report, and I do a report on players that have tough matchups for the week that you may normally would, you know, kind of people always do the start your studs thing, you know. But I, I disagree with the start your studs. So this article kind of will make you think a little bit about that.
0: Good stuff. Well, listeners, make sure to check out Jen's work. Jen, thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, sounds good. In addition to Jennifer's awesome work, be sure to check out 444.com for a ton of other great fantasy football content. If you don't have a subscription, I'm not really sure what you're waiting for, but you can use the promo code TMAP, T-M-A-P, to get a discount when you sign up. Uh, otherwise, that does it for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll be running back these same sorts of shows every week during the season, so please at me on Twitter, at Greg Sauce, if you have any... Uh, waiver questions or any format suggestions for how to improve the show and I'll do my best to get to as much of it as I can on the air. Until then, thanks again for listening and we'll catch you later on the Most Accurate Podcast.